You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For all things, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, game, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City on this Red Friday. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Kayla Kinnearum. Joining me is my co-host, Cody Tapp. We are down producer Nick Schwartz. He is gallivanting in Germany. Cody, he didn't even invite us on the trip. How rude. Very rude. That's, you know what? And then he had a rocky start to the trip. His first flight was canceled. Oh, no. Because snow in Germany. So, you know, he'll be fine. <laughs> He'll enjoy. He'll go be in these ty- these German towns and their downtown villages around Christmas time. I think he'll do just fine without us. I think he will, unfortunately. But we wish him a happy trip. Um. All right, we've got a hopefully a fun game this weekend coming up. Maybe. Not to be confused with the Houston's, but we are playing the Texans. Do we have to take the Texans more seriously because the Cowboys just played them close last weekend? Dallas won twenty-seven twenty-three and after coming off our near loss to the Broncos. What needs to happen in this game Sunday, Cody? Well, I don't, honestly, you can probably take them less serious. Anytime these like teams that are like going down the NFL pipe, getting ready to take a first overall quarterback, all the things right now that the Texans are doing, they usually have one last gasp in them. One last game to fight, claw, scratch, do what they can, and that was their game. They are the worst point differential team in the NFL. They lose on average by more than a touchdown. They have scored 103 less points than their opponents. That's more than the Broncos and Bears have been outscored combined. Ooh. And those are bad teams. That's bad. So bad teams with very few wins, Kayla. So they're always negative in the point differential because they always lose. So as much as I want to like give us some juice for this game and say, you know what? Yeah. Any given Sunday, (laughs) Mahomes, Mahomes talked on Wednesday and he got asked that. He's like, Hey, you know, so they, they," and he said, Oh, you play close against the the Texans, you know, or the, the Cowboys. What do you think? And he was like, he said all the cliche things, but he hit them like in a row. That to me is when it's disrespectful. When, cause he knows. Okay. Explain. Even he knows. So he said, he said, oh, they're good, good, they're really good team. A lot of talented players. They're well coached. Any given Sunday. He said all these things consecutively in like a two sentence span. He just hit in the cliche. He doesn't have a real thing to say about the Texans. He didn't say, oh, that guy 54 over there can be a problem. Or I've seen them get to the quarterback. No, no, no. It's just. Oh, talented and well-coached in any given Sunday. That's not saying anything about the Texans. That's ignoring the fact that they're good. They're terrible. They're a terrible team, aren't they? 
Yes. And I don't know why I always bring this back to sororities, but this reminds me of when you're going through rush (laughs) and I never did that, but okay. If there is a, I forgot what they're called. Person going through rush recruit. Yeah. recruit. Sure. I'm totally blinking. If you were unimpressed with them, you said they were cute, sweet, and nice. That was like the worst thing you could say about a girl. They're cute, sweet, and nice. And then you knew, oh, okay. X. Also, that whole process is so ridiculous and it seems kind of wild. Like the way you're describing it, I'm like, oh my God. I but that ca- it that's how Pat's describing the Texans. They're cute, sweet, and nice. We're not scared. We're going to blow them out. It's gonna be fine. Honestly, those are, that's the same verbiage somebody uses when they're not interested in you in a dating game. Yeah. Like, like I know we've been on a couple of years. You're cute, you're sweet, you're nice. It's just it's not gonna work out. But that's that's it. It's the gentle pat on the head of the Houston Texans, like, oh. They're starting two quarterbacks. Damian Pierce is already out for the game. So they're 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 their second best offensive skill position player is already out. Brandon Cooks, their best offensive skill position player, missed practice on Wednesday. Like, what am I supposed to assume? They're just gonna magically with a bunch of guys I've never heard of. They had someone go for like 120 yards against the Cowboys. His single career high before this season in a game was like 72. So it's like, unless he, that one guy we're talking about, whose name I can't remember. I think it's Chris. Don't remember <laughs> his last name. Unless that, that, and it's pulling a Justin Reed. Yeah, man. Unless it's that guy. And it seems unlikely or, you know, Davis Mills comes to life because if they let the Texans light them up again, then we're going to be having a very different conversation on Sunday about the defense as in not, can they do something to re-impress us versus I'm panicked and they're bad. And what happened? Right. Right. Yeah. Cause that's not going to fly in playoffs at all. If we're barely getting past terrible teams, uh, question for you. Do you still want to see one blowout before the season ends? Kinda. That's something you need to see. Kind of, you know, I kind of hope it's against Denver. Like they just remember how it went the last time in this time they're like, okay, at Arrowhead. we are going to bury you now because we got embarrassed because we let that game be close and we're not going to do that again. But the more likely scenarios this weekend, you realize that the the so the look ahead Vegas lines, you do BetQL stuff, yeah. right? So the the look ahead lines for all the Chiefs games has them at minimum is an eight and a half point favorite. That's the worst of a favorite they are. So that's a big line in the NFL. They're a fourteen point good. favorite. Yeah, they're a fourteen point favorite against the Texans. So it is unreasonable because like this happens all the time. Like we're fans, kid. We're like, hey, blow them out, blow them out every week unrealistic doesn't happen all the time that's why when the blowouts like when it's 27 nothing you kind of want it to happen but it is not unreasonable to say blow out one bad team in the final four games of the season the seahawks are playing their worst football of the year and i don't think the raiders have anything left to play for nothing they had their chance to go to the postseason they blew a 13-3 lead or 16-3 lead to baker mayfield and their season was over so they have two teams whose seasons are circling in a bad direction because Seattle's playing the worst football and two teams that are the worst two teams in football in Denver and Houston. So I don't know. I mean, doesn't seem crazy to blow out one, right? Doesn't say blow out all four, just be just blow out one. I know we've kind of mentioned this in a past podcast, but what constitutes as a blowout? Obviously the Cardinals, the 49ers, but what how many points do you need for it to be a blowout? Ooh, depends on the team. How about that? Um, against these teams, at least 14. You beat a team by two touchdowns, that's an ass kicking. I mean, that's a blowout, right? You beat, you know, two, three touchdowns is probably my marker. It's probably up three at one point, 
Like if the final score was 28-21, but the Texans got a touchdown late, as a blowout, right? Their final drive, they go get a touchdown. I don't care. You're up 31-14. This game was over, long over, long before it was over. But probably north of that, against other teams like Seattle, I would probably take 17 points. They beat them 34-17. Yeah, that's good enough. That's a blowout to me. They blew them out. They weren't close. You knew that game wasn't close. Then I'll take it. But I, I think that that's probably the marker for me. Okay. What, what do you view it? I'd say that this is entirely subjective, by the way. Yes. Yeah. There's not a right answer. I would say at least three scores. I need to know that they're not going to, the other team isn't going to be able to come back within the last like five minutes doing something crazy. Yeah. They can't get a touchdown and an onside kick and then another touchdown. It's like still not enough. You're going to have to get two onside kicks. Is that what you mean? Right. Yes. To me, like in the NFL, a couple of touchdowns, a field goal. Yeah. Yeah. Winning by 17 in the NFL is destroying a team. I mean, that's, that's a lot of points to win by in any NFL game, not to mention the NFL this season in which there is the highest number of one score games in NFL history. So three scores feels like an even wider margin than in any given year. Right. Certainly if it looks different than this one, I don't know what it is. I just, I don't feel good unless we're up by like a touchdown and a field goal, at least two touchdowns, anything less than that scares me. Something with two scores. So at the very least, it's not going to be easy. Exactly. Yes. All right, Cody, the Chiefs pass rush is currently fourth in sacks in the NFL. Should that make us even more frustrated that doesn't that it doesn't seem to have fixed all the problems on defense? Well, so kind of, yeah. And I think largely because we weren't hosting this podcast together last year, Kayla. But if we had been, I'm pretty confident. You you watched all the games. You're a big Chiefs fan. Yes. Um, I'm pretty confident if we had gone through the season, you'd be like, you know, God, you mentioned if this defense, if they just had somebody who could get a sack. Imagine where they'd be if they just had some guys who could go get sacks. They're fourth in the NFL. They're getting sacks. And, and like, they're not far off from the top three teams. It's not like some great divide. They are right there with every other team in the NFL at the top of the NFL in team sacks. And so, yeah, I'm frustrated. For a team that finished 30th last year, if you had told me this year, right now, They'd be fourth in the NFL at 42, trailing only the Eagles, Cowboys, and Patriots. The next closest team who matters in the AFC is probably the Ravens at 39. Then you're seven, eight sacks ahead of the Bills, who signed uh, an important pass rusher in their offseason, who got them eight sacks, and even you're ahead of them. And it's not like he just got knocked out, so all of his sacks still count towards what we're talking about here. It's really frustrating because truthfully, (laughs) I thought that that was their problem. I thought their problem on defense was they couldn't get sacks. That the linebackers and the corners would look okay if they just got sacks. So I don't know why that didn't hit. That is frustrating to me. Maybe it's just me, Kayla. Maybe it's it's not everyone in the audience. Maybe it's not you even. No, it is. It's frustrating. Um, This is a completely random thought. Where are we at with Chris Jones still being up for or should be up for defensive player of the year. I don't think he's going to dwindled. Yeah, probably. Because we had several shows where we were trying to make a push. Like he needs to be in the conversation. And then I feel like that's fallen off in the last few weeks. Well, really what happened is the odds market shifted so heavy that it just like, it forces you to be like, well, it's Micah Parsons and no one else. I still think it's absurd that Micah Parsons has that kind of lead. But since we started that conversation, by the way, Chris Jones moved up the board. We started that conversation. Chris Jones wasn't in the top eight of the betting markets. Now he's third, third highest. 
The only wow. problem is he is um, he's third highest by um, roughly a mile. So <laughs> it's like Micah Parsons is minus two sixty five. Nick Bosa, a respectable close second at plus 168. So they think it's one of those two guys. And then Chris Jones has the third highest odds. The difference is he is 35 to one. So when we started this conversation, he was 40 or 50 to one. And now he's like 35 to one. So he's moved up, Kayla. I think the game that hurt him was Cincinnati. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's weird because this hurt the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, the same game against Cincinnati in the regular season hurt. I thought Creed Humphrey's rookie of the year odds because Jamar Chase did so much to Kansas City. If he had shown up big in that game against that opponent, I really think he would be more like plus, he'd be like five or six to one. Like you could make a real argument for it. But I'll say this about where I am with Chris Jones. I still think he's their best defensive player. And I still think he's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. That's part of the reason that they're at the sack numbers they are. He's so dominant. Everyone else's life is easier. Isn't that how they get some of these sacks? Yeah. As and far George, as, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, and George Karloftis, right? He's starting to get sacks. I mean, yes. Dan is getting some sacks. Karloftis is getting some sacks. Once those guys start doing it, then it starts to look easy. For Not to keep harping on this, for that specific award, is that solely based on stats or is that how big of an impact you have on your team combined with stats? Both. Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely both. Because when we were pointing it out, um, and some of it's uh, the position you play, just like any other um, any other set because at the time we were talking about the the numbers the Micah Parsons Chris Jones stats were shockingly similar Micah Parsons only has 12 sacks not that that's a, a small number I'm not trying to claim it is but it's not like he it's not um it's not TJ Watt right he uh from a year ago it you know technically Nick Bosa has two and a half more sacks than Micah Parsons so you would think well why you know why isn't he the leader in the clubhouse well, Nick Bosa is on one of the better defenses in the league. There's no doubt about it, but he's, you know, like there's still a problem. Like he has, Chris Jones has 11 sacks. Micah Parsons has 12 and a half. Nick Bosa has 14 and a half. They're really similar in tackles for loss, all of those things. And, you know, in between, but those two guys, Kayla, the biggest difference, probably why they're up there is those two guys are on two defenses currently ranked in the top five of points per game allowed. Ah, so think about that. The Chiefs <laughs> the are 19th. The Chiefs are 19th. But that also, that's not Chris Jones' fault. Right. Very true. If anything, this goes back to like the MVP. It's like Mahomes does more than, he does more with less than Jalen Hurts. And so does Chris Jones on the defense, right? Which I think then in fact earns you the award, but it's neither here nor there. 